Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm Natalie Barron, your host, and I am so excited you're here today. It is the beginning of October, and um, I think we've been in COVID now eight years, I mean, eight months. (laughs) And, um, you know, it has been such a powerful pause for so many people. I know I talk about this on previous episodes, but so many people are really taking this time whether voluntarily or not, to reevaluate their careers. And it's such a powerful pause for people to really reevaluate and reimagine, you know, do I really want to go back to what was normal and what I was doing? I didn't really like it that much anyway. And since so many of my clients are coming to me personally in my private practice, as well as in our Women Leading Powerfully group coaching program, I thought it was very important to address career transition, and we've talked about it um, quite frequently on the podcast. So I thought it would be really important, relevant, and valuable to invite a career coach to the podcast to talk about how do you make a transition? So it could be one of many transitions. You could be looking to change roles to just simply another organization within your same industry. You could be looking to jump out of corporate into being an entrepreneur or jumping out of being an entrepreneur back into corporate. You could also be a stay-at-home mom who's taken time off to be with your kids and now you're looking to get back into the workforce. Or you could be someone who completely wants to just transition completely to doing your passion project, whatever lights up your soul lights your fire, and it has nothing to do with what you've been maybe doing for the last 10, 15, 20, or even 30 years, and you have no idea where to begin, which is exactly why I had Heather Burright come on the show today. Heather is a career coach, and she's on a mission to help people achieve their fullest potential. So she has her own company called The Skill Masters Market, And she works with organizations on their learning and development strategy to ensure that staff have the skills they need to drive their business goals. She's also a career coach for women seeking a career change, which is exactly why she's here today. Um, Heather really aligns with my core values of how I do business, um, which is exactly why I had her on the podcast, because She is all about helping women gain the clarity, the confidence, and the courage to find their dream role. I know you're going to love this interview with Heather because not only does she give you great insight, she gives you specific actionable steps that you can take to start planning for that big career change that you've had on your mind. In the show notes, I will have Heather's information. You can connect with her on social media, and also she is enrolling students in her career discovery program, which begins in October, and um, she will have her information there so you can set up a call with her to have her help you identify those next steps that you need to be taking to make this career change. And what I will also say is if you're needing additional clarity and most importantly, the confidence to know how to take those next steps, then visit womenleadingpowerfully.com and look into our 12-week program. We completely filled our cohort for October 
The women have been loving it, and we are starting a new program. We're filling two groups in January. One starts on Thursdays at 5 p.m. on January 14th, and we have another group starting on Mondays, uh, January 18th, also at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I will tell you, uh, we have so many great testimonials from that program of women just coming out of there completely charged up and confident to take the next steps in their lives in every way, both professionally, personally. Um, So Heather is a really nice collaboration with this effort because she gives you the specific steps on your career. And if you're really looking for the confidence, come join us in the Women Leading Powerfully program. Also, if you sign up for that program by November 15th for the January program, you get 2020 pricing because our pricing is going up starting December 15th for 2021. So with all that being said, I invite you to listen in to my interview with Heather. And I want you to think about what are the skills that you have that are in your career that are probably so close to you that you have a hard time seeing them that you could transition to another department within your organization, another organization altogether, or into your own business. So I really invite you to think about that as you listen to this episode. So let's get ready to dive in with the career coach for women, Heather Burright. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Heather, I'm so excited to have you on my show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I would love for you to share a little bit about your background, um, your career history, and the story behind It's Her Beautiful Story. Sure. Yeah. I have been, uh, I like to say on the people side of organizations for the past 15 years, I started in the learning and development space. And uh, my last uh, formal role was with a national nonprofit working with their competency models. So I identified the competencies that people would need to be successful throughout their careers and then helped the HR leaders across the country hire on board and develop their staff with those competencies in mind. So it was a little bit of learning and development and then a little bit more strategic as well. And while I was there, I also led some of the coaching initiatives that we had there and just fell in love with coaching as a whole and was able to do some career coaching on the side, just with friends requesting it and that kind of thing. And then I started my own consulting business in May of this year. And I, at the time, was still being asked to do some career coaching. And so I just rolled that up into my consulting business. And so now I focus both on the personal and professional development side of things. And it's just been a great a great alignment for me. I feel like people are happiest when their careers align with their values and their capabilities. So it's wonderful for me, I feel like, to be able to work with organizations and help them empower their staff 
and provide opportunities for staff to grow and develop those capabilities, but then also to be working with women who are looking for a career change and really help them identify what their capabilities and their values are so that they can be successful and show up happy and fulfilled in a career. I love it. And that's thank you for sharing that. And that's exactly why I had you on the show today, because, you know, the, the work you do is so important. And I'm, I'm hearing from the women in our group coaching program. I'm hearing from the women in my private clients that I'm coaching and my organizational clients. COVID has been a powerful pause for so many people. And by the way, I, I don't want to over overlook the fact that you launched a business in the middle of COVID. So, you know, kudos to you. We will we will definitely circle back and talk talk about that. Yeah. But, you know, it's been a powerful pause for so many people. And whether we like it or not, it has been this opportunity for us to really pause, to reflect on what is really important in my life. And I know so many people that I've spoken to, clients, friends, have really People are excited about things, quote unquote, going back to normal. But the reality is people are really reevaluating. Am I was I really OK with what normal was? And I think this has been really the silver lining in COVID. It's awful. And the last few months in our country, for so many reasons, have you know caused so much stress and angst for people. But the silver lining is that people are really getting to reevaluate their lives and what's important. And the reason why I had you on is because I love what you do in terms of career transition and career coaching around making sure that people are in alignment with their values. And so I would love for you to kind of share a little bit more about that and maybe your process or, or how you really help people identify what that next step is for them. Yeah. So um, so for me, I think I, I always start with a life vision because I think um, this work-life balance thing that people go for is, is non-existent. And so it's really about making sure that your career fits into your life vision. And so I always spend a lot of time at the beginning of a, of a coaching um, program thinking about what does life look like six to 12 months from now if you're happy and you're fulfilled and your whole life, not your career. So what are you doing? Who are you with? Think about the relationships, your parenting, your finances, all of the things, right? And then your career is just one part of that. We can zoom in on your career. We have time to spend on that and we will in a career coaching program, obviously, but it's important to start with that life vision. And then once you have some, some clear thoughts about what you want in life, we can start to work into the values piece as well, because it's important that your career is aligned with your values uh, in addition to just your life vision, right? So if you value stability, you might not be a good fit for a startup, right? Where things are always right. changing and they're constantly innovating and they're adjusting and adapting and there's way tons of value in that, but it might not be a good fit if you value stability. And same, if you value adventure and innovation, you might not find yourself comfortable in a more established organization or in a role where you're not looked to to innovate. And so I think just really identifying what those things are that you value helps you make better career decisions, both in the type of position that you're looking for and in the organizations that you're looking at. So I always start with that. And, and it, it came up for me personally, um, after I had my, my first child, actually, I wasn't, uh, I don't know that I would have said I was a big values person before that, like, sure, I had them, but it wasn't something that mm -hmm. I necessarily focused on. I certainly wouldn't have thought about it in my career. But when I had my first child, I started to realize that my values were shifting. And I became more aware of the, the conflict 
in what I was doing and in my values. And immediately I needed my work to be meaningful. Immediately I needed more flexibility because I wanted to be at work. I wanted, I didn't want to be a stay at home mom. I wanted to go to work, but I wanted it to, to have value for me and be time well spent away from my children. And mm-hmm. so I immediately felt this conflict and realized that values are such an important factor in your career. Yeah. So, so, so much to unpack here also, <laughs> um, which I, I love because I love that what you said, because it's the way I coach as well. And I'm so in alignment around your career is one aspect of your life. And your career fits into your life, not the other way around. And I think so often when we're in our 20s, just getting out of college, right? We're not thinking about those type of things. We're just like, hey, I'm going to take the first job that comes along. And I think that I think that's okay for your 20s, like to, you know, get experience. I do think it's important to understand, to have that in the background. Maybe it's not for, maybe it's not in the forefront, right? Um. But I do think it's important, as you as you mentioned, to reevaluate your values as you go through different life transitions. You know, in your 20s, you may value uh, being able to get a fork at five o'clock so you can go to the bar, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you don't want to work long hours. And, you know, whereas in your 30s, when you're getting married and having kids, you know, like you said, I love that you said, I realized I need my work to be meaningful because if I'm going to be away from my kids, I, it has to be a good reason why I'm going to be away from them. And, you know, I'll share with you and my audience my story. I've mentioned it briefly on a previous podcast episode, but I did not have any concept of values and where they fit in um, from a conscious point of view. And I wish, I wish, I wish I would have hired a career coach or uh, some kind of executive coach or professional coach earlier on in my career, because I guarantee you I would have shifted careers. Because what happened for me is I felt that tension inside. My job required me to travel all the time. And I was on the road a lot. And I also really value family. Family is my number one core value. And it was in direct conflict of me being away. It was causing a lot of stress and tension for me. And I think if I would have been more intentional about understanding my values, um, I think I could have alleviated some of that tension. The good part is when I was home, my job offered me a lot of flexibility But like I said, I had all this internal turmoil going on. And I think if I would have just sat down and been very intentional about it and thoughtful about it and also realized that my values were shifting because now my kids are older, I have different values. I want to be more adventurous. I want to be traveling more post-COVID, hopefully. (laughs) But, you know, but I but that's even shifting. I, I can travel internationally to go see coaching clients at this point and would love that, whereas when my kids were younger, I I wouldn't have wanted that. So, yes. so I love what you I I love everything that you're bringing up. One of the questions that comes up a lot, Heather, is from my clients is look, and this was my story as well. Look, I've been in this career for 15 years, 20 years. In my case, it was 27 years. I joined this organization when I was young or out of college, or maybe it was my second job. And now I'm kind of pigeonholed in this industry. And it wasn't really what I chose. It was just kind of what I fell into. 
And let's say I was, you know, I, I worked in package, consumer packaged goods for 27 years. But now let's say I want to go be a lawyer or a therapist or a nurse or some other type of position that maybe is that person's passion project or something that lights them up, but they don't know where to begin. How do you transition industries after a long period of time being in a specific industry? Yeah, I actually have run into this quite a bit with with my coaching clients where someone is in especially a field that feels pretty locked in, right? Like they're in healthcare or they're in education and that feels like it might be hard to pivot. And uh, so I do, I get this question a lot as well. I think, again, it goes back to the life vision and the values, obviously, for choosing any kind of career path. But I think that third piece is even more important when you're transitioning industries. And that third piece is knowing what your transferable skills are. So, for example, if you're a nurse and you're giving injections on a daily basis and you're looking to transition to education, you may never use that skill again. And that's okay, even if you're really good at it. Uh, (laughs) But you do have skills that you will take with you. And think about the way that you're interacting with that patient, the way that you listen to them, the way that you communicate with them, the way that you reassure them uh, as you're going through the process of giving the injection. All of those skills are transferable. So I think it becomes even more important when you're looking to transition industry to industry um, to Mm -hmm. be able to say, these are the skills that I have developed over the course of my career, and this is how they fit into this new industry. So I think there's a lot to be said for just being able to communicate what your strengths are and how you're going to be able to use them in a different career field. I think one, it helps you identify which career fields will be a good fit. I think it helps you um, communicate within your resume and within an interview. And it helps you as you're networking as well. So I think knowing those transferable skills is going to be super important. It's always important, but super important when you're changing industries. Yeah, completely. I guess my question is, is is it possible? Is it possible, you know, I'm kind of being devil's advocate here. Is it possible (laughs) to switch industries? You know, I'm 50. You know, yes, I did it. I had a plan along the way and I've been at it for several years now. And it was an industry that had very similar transferable skills. So, you know, communicating, uh, you know, selling programs, et cetera. I was in sales. So a a lot of those transferable skills were very relatable to coaching. And by the way, I was in sales for 27 years. And all sales is, is building relationships and listening and solving people's problems, which is essentially what coaching is. But what about for somebody who really wants to make a drastic pivot is it possible? And the other limiting belief that I have a question about that people come up all that comes up all the time. Am I too old? What are your thoughts? I think it's always possible and you're never too old. So just let's start there. I think, you know, we often get caught up in those limiting beliefs. And I think there's a difference in saying, is it possible? And am I willing to do it? And I, you know, I've seen the same thing where somebody wants to change industries, but they think that changing industries will require a different degree and they don't want to go back to school. That becomes not an, is it possible question that becomes, am I willing to do it question? So is it worth it to you to invest that time or that energy uh, and money right into another degree to make a transition? Is it worth it to you to, you know, expand your network or look at things in a different way? Start over at the bottom of the hierarchy when you're at the top of the hierarchy. Is it worth it to you? It's not a question of, is it possible? It's, is it worth it? I think that's a great distinction. And I think people really need to get clear on that because they do have choice. 
right? You you absolutely have choice. Yes, if you want to go be an artist after being in sales for 27 years, you can, but you're going to have to go probably get some skills and get some competencies. And you may end up being at, like you said, at the bottom of the rung and not making as much money. It's still possible, but do you choose to do it? Right. And I think that's so powerful, Heather, because there is choice. And I think so many people think that they don't have the choice. They do have the choice. They just are choosing not to do it for, for those reasons, right? Absolutely. Even with um, my oldest child is in in-person school right now. And as we were making decisions about what to do for school, I was texting with another parent who was like, I'm going to homeschool. And I'm like, that's not an option for me. And she's like, you always have a choice. Yes, I do. But that's not a choice I'm willing to make. Right. So that was an intentional decision on my part. I did not feel comfortable, capable, ready, willing to take on homeschooling when I had another option. And so it's a choice that I made very intentionally. And the mm. other parent chose to homeschool. That's a choice that she made very deliberately. So I think it's really about identifying what those choices are and if they're worth it to you. Yeah. So let's let's revisit your story because <laughs> um, because you did. You made that choice and you made the choice to to leave the nonprofit world and in an organization and to go out on your own. So how has that transition been for you? You know, I think it's such a good example. You're such a an inspiration and such a great example for others um, potentially trying to do the same thing. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey. Yeah. And I, and I would say it's uh, mine. It's a story of both choice and whatever the opposite of choice is not coming to my mind right now, but stuck. Um, I think stuck. stuck. I think so many people feel like they're stuck, right? Yes. So, uh, so at the beginning of COVID, everything shut down. I was working from home, working for a national nonprofit, a large organization, everything was going great. And then mid April, I found out that I would be furloughed and legally an organization can furlough you at least in the state of Illinois. I don't know if this is nationally for up to a year. And while I felt like there was a possibility I could go back to this national nonprofit, I didn't want to wait a year to find out if I would be going back to the, to them. So I uh, immediately filed for an LLC and started working on my business plan and networking to really figure out if I could make a business work. And then uh, my LLC came through in May. I found out I would be laid off in June. So my last day was the, the last day of June and was able to transition, had my first client at the beginning of July. I think for me, it was uh, it was about choice, right? I had kind of been forced into a situation where I knew that I may no longer be working for the organization that I had been with for almost eight years. And I had a choice. I could uh, go apply for jobs and, you know, find something else that might be a good fit. I could wait and see what happened um, at the national nonprofit that I was with, or I could go out on my own. And so those were choices that I weighed. And honestly, at the, at the beginning of it, I was really dual pathing and applying for positions and getting my business up and going because I didn't, it was an untested theory, right? That it would work. And then it would work during COVID. It was, it was untested. I had, even as I was doing my market research, I had some ideas and I had some gut feelings about what would work and what wouldn't work based on those conversations, but it had yet to be tested. And so I was dual pathing at the beginning of this to really figure out what my best option would be. But I felt like I had some control, some ownership in what I was doing. 
And that's just something that for me, I really appreciated. And perhaps that's the value of mine <laughs> to, to have some of that ownership and autonomy in the process. And so, you know, it ended up where I was laid off and not able to go back to that national nonprofit. I always thought I would be an entrepreneur. I always thought that I would do consulting and have my own business. I just didn't think it would be now. So in that way, maybe it was a little bit forced, but I also see so much choice in it and how I responded to the situation, I think is, is key to, to me getting to where I am now. Yeah. And, and I, again, I love your story because of how the action that you took, right? Um, you were all about not being a victim. You were all about, okay, look, this is happening. Here's what I can control as part of this. There may have been people that are still waiting for the organization to decide. I can't tell you how many reorganizations I went through in my previous company where I was waiting around to find out if I was going to have a job or not. And that is so stressful. It feels so icky of just like waiting for someone else to have a, a control of your destiny. Yeah. And I vowed after the last reorg I went through, I was like, I will never, ever be in that position again, where someone else is dictating my destiny. Yeah. And that's when I started dual pathing is um, the same thing. And so is that is that a process you suggest for someone that is looking to transition, you know, whether it's COVID or not. But if someone is in, let's say, a corporate environment, which a lot of my listeners are, kind of what is that first step that they can take to start to pursue that that passion career or that passion project or even that passion entrepreneurship business that they're thinking about going? What is that first step that you suggest? Yeah, I definitely think once you have a, a vision for what it could be, what it could look like, I definitely recommend doing some idea testing. So one of the things that I have my clients do once they've gone through the vision and the values process, they've identified their skills and they've I, I have them go broad first, right? Like these are all of my options, even though they're not necessarily all options that they would consider in the end. Let's list them all out and then let's start to narrow them in. And once we get to that point of a more narrowed list, um, I really recommend that they start idea testing. And so I have them do research. I have them use the Department of Labor's website. I have them use websites like Glassdoor or the you know salary websites where they can get some financial information so that they can start to learn about whatever that career option is. What does it look like? And then I have them talk to people who are in those careers. And so I think that this is a piece that is really, really important when you're looking at making a transition because so many people have a fear of failure. Um, maybe they're unclear at first about what their options are. Maybe they start to get some clarity, but then there's still a jump that has to happen, right? There's still a leap that you have to take. And if you don't have the confidence that that other option will work for you, that you'll be good at it, that it'll fit into your life, that it will align with your values, that it will meet your financial needs. If you don't have that confidence, you're not going to take that leap. And so I think that idea testing piece is the part that is really, really important. And I have my coaching clients talk to people who are in their career field. This world, even though it's so big, is really not that big, right? If you really, if it really comes down to it, you can probably find someone in your immediate network or in their network who is doing a job that's similar to what you want to do. And so, you know, putting those feelers out and getting in, you know, a phone call, informational interview or whatever that looks like so that you can learn about the day to day of that career and make sure that it's really going to fit your needs. 
that's so important. And that's one of the first steps that I have them take when we start to get into that part of the process. No, that's great. And um, you addressed one of the questions I was going to ask you, which is, um, how do you find people if you want to transition from, you know, being a lawyer to being a nurse, and you don't know any nursing, uh, you know, people that are nurses, how do you find them? Um, So I love your suggestion of, I'm sure someone in your LinkedIn network knows someone that is, you know, a nurse somewhere. Um, but let's say that's not the case. How can how can they do informational interviews? And my second follow-up question is, what should they be asking in those interviews? Oh, those are good questions. So I think one always I I always recommend going to LinkedIn because it's such a powerful search tool. So even if you don't know anyone in your immediate network that is a nurse, you can type in nurse and you can select second connection and it'll show you everyone who is one person away from you and Mm. who fits that nurse qualification, right? So you can start to find where you have connections, even if they're not in your immediate network. And then you can say, okay, let me see. It's this person. Oh, that's my mom, right? Like I know I can ask her to to give me a referral (laughs) and connect you with this person. Or, hey, that's that person I met at a conference. I don't know that they would make that connection for me. I don't really know that person, right? So you can start to evaluate and make decisions about who you can ask to get that connection. And it becomes a lot more tangible at that point. Um, Once you get the informational interview, I don't think those need to take a a long time. I don't think you need to ask too much of the the other person. Um, But, you know, 15 to 30 minutes of their time to really go through the things that are important to you. So, again, I recommend asking about the day to day. Um, because a lot of times the job description will not cover what the actual day-to-day is like. I recommend if you're interested in the organization, asking about the culture, just like you would in an interview process, potentially. Um, And then anything that you've identified that's important to you. So go back to that list of values that you brainstormed. And if, if, you know, dependability and people following through on their commitments is important to you, ask them, you know, whether that's, that is true for them in their organization and in their role, if being able to be creative or be a mentor is important to you, ask them what the opportunities look like for those things. Um, And so you're really getting a feel for whether the career and the position in the organization that that person is at is a fit for you. Um, I, I love that. I think those are all great suggestions. The one follow up I would add to that is when you're talking to those people, one of the recommendations I heard recently was keep that kind of that network train going mm-hmm. by concluding the the informational interview and just saying, you know, I would continue to love to have conversations with people in this career field. Do you have one or two people you could introduce me to? And so you can kind of keep those conversations going. And I think the more people have those conversations and the more they're hearing from a variety of different sources what the day-to-day is like, what the realities of the job are like, what different companies are like. I think it really does help with that um, that career transition, right? Yeah, absolutely. What is it that makes people so fearful about making a career change? I, I know fear plays such a big role. And so I'm curious to get your perspective on that. Yeah, there's so it's that's I'm sure multi-layered um, <laughs> to even try to to get into it. I think I think one when things aren't clear, uh, we like things to be clear. We know what we're currently doing. We know even if we don't like it, we know it. And so yeah. there is a bit of comfort that comes with that. And to talk about taking a leap or doing something different when 
what that is is unclear, whether you would enjoy it is unclear, whether you would be any good at it is unclear, who would hire you is unclear. It just gives you lots of reasons to withdraw and stay where you are. And I think it's just, you know, that the fear of the unknown and the fear of failure once you get there really holds people back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I love what you said. And I completely agree. It's it's very true that comfort is predictability, but it's not always comfortable. It's just the comfort is the predictability of it, right? We can stay in positions for so long. I way overstayed my stay at my previous company. Now, it wasn't horrible. It was great. I loved, I love, love, love the people that I worked with. That was the primary reason I went to work every day. And I actually loved my clients. Um, I had great relationships. And for me, connection is one of my core values. So I felt that on a daily basis. I felt that connection. But um, what I've come to learn through going through this whole values process myself later in life is that impact is super important to me. And I was, I didn't feel like I was necessarily leaving the earth in a better place by selling candy (laughs) and ice cream. (laughs) You know, if anything, I was like, oh, it's probably contributing to a lot of dental bills. And um, I mean, you know, I'm being facetious, but, you know, it's just the work I do now is so fulfilling because it does. It meets that core value of mine around having an impact and helping people change their lives and their careers and and live more fulfilling, fulfilled, happy lives overall. It's just, it fills my cup every day. So um, super important. It is. It is. I think it goes back to the question of not just what's possible, but you know, what are you what are you willing to to risk? What are you willing to do to try um, to make things happen? So once you know your values, you can start to make decisions from those, and sometimes that'll be the motivating factor, right? Like when I realized that flexibility was a value for me, I began to ask for more flexibility at work. I didn't necessarily get it every time I asked, right? But then it was an input that I had and I could then make a decision. Am I willing to continue in a role where I have less flexibility if I have these other things or is flexibility that important that I need to make that transition and do something different because that's something that I'm not willing to sacrifice. Yeah. And I love that you got really clear on what was important to you and you began to ask for that. And I think getting really clear on what's important to each of us individually is really the first step. And then you can ask for more of that in your in your existing workplace. And then you that could actually turn the whole ship around and you could be so much happier in your role. For some people, it might be that flexibility. And so instead of maybe asking for a raise, they're asking for an additional week or two of paid time off. And, you know, it's all negotiable. And there's room there to to do that. We just need to be really clear on what we want, which actually segues into my next question is, what do you say to the person who is really unfulfilled in what they're currently doing, but they have absolutely no idea they're 40 or 45 or 50 or 55 or 60. And they're like, I've never figured out what my passion is. I don't know. And I don't even know where to find it or how to even go about identifying it. What do you say to that person? Yeah. So I, uh, selfishly, (laughs) I say hire someone, um, (laughs) because here's the thing, a lot, a lot of my approach 
you could do on your own, right? You could spend time and you could think about your life vision. You could identify your values. You can figure out what your skills are. It, it might take you time and you might have to do some research to even figure out how to do those things. But you could do it on your own. But the thing is, most of us don't. Most of us never will do it on our own. We want the guide. We want the accountability. We want the support and we want the network. And so I think if you are really, really feeling stuck and really feeling unfulfilled, and maybe you've tried before, or maybe you haven't because it's more comfortable not to, but if you're really feeling that stuck, unfulfilled, um, like you're in that place, just hire someone, find someone who does this and bring them in to support you. And it's amazing what you'll discover about yourself and what kind of confidence you can gain through the process. I couldn't agree with you <laughs> anymore because I know I agree because sometimes uh, the key is, is that sometimes we're not asking ourselves the right questions. And, you know, we have our blinders on, we have the way we were raised, we have the expectations, we have our own family's expectations. We have so many of these things that create blinders for us. And a coach like yourself and myself can actually open up those possibilities. And we can ask those deep probing questions that are going to get to the root and the heart of not only maybe what you want to do, but what are those blocks? Yeah. Is the not knowing a block for something else? Is it a block for fear? Is it a block for, you know, just lack of confidence maybe? And like, what's really underneath that? And I, th I completely agree with you. Um, I think if I would have known about coaching sooner, I would have hired a coach much sooner in my career. I have a coach and I'm so grateful for him. And oh my gosh, I mean, I wouldn't, there's no way I would be sitting here doing what I'm doing without my coach. So and I, I think hiring a coach, make sure your coach has a coach because um, I, I think that's very important as well. You know, we're, we're always learning. We're always growing. We're always trying to better ourselves. So um, I love that. Any last words of advice or direction that you could give to people that are really um, in the midst of, like I said, either voluntarily or involuntarily a career transition and looking for what's next. Uh, what thoughts do you have for them? Yeah, I think maybe telling for the times that we're in, but I think just to hang in there is, is important, right? It's easy to become overwhelmed. It's easy to become discouraged. I have so many friends who are job searching right now and are not making a lot of progress in it. And it's, it's so easy to just throw your arms up in the air and, and say, I'll wait for another day, or I just need a break. And there's nothing wrong with taking a break as long as it's just a break, right? You have to just stay, stick, stick with it and, and really just keep trying and get clear on what it is you want and go for it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I think more so now than ever, I think we need to have grace with ourselves and patience and understanding that we are, and I hate this word because it's so overused, but we are really in unprecedented times. <laughs> And, you know, just the old expectations of how long it takes to get a job. And I mean, the competition is different now because so many people are unemployed and just having grace with ourselves and patience, whether you're going the entrepreneurial route 
and and starting a business of having grace and patience with yourself about the ramp up period of that and what that looks like and or if you're going to an organizational position of you know how long that interview process takes and how many no's that you'll have to get and how many rejections you'll have to get and to really not personalize them right of it's simply a numbers game and um i guess one last thing before yeah. we wrap up, I would I would say, because um, I forgot to ask this, do you have any suggestions, whether it be on LinkedIn or on resumes of things people either need to be aware of or to make sure that they include to really, because I know everything is computer generated or computer automated at this point where, you know, the computer's looking at it. So are there any key points or any tips or tricks that you have for people around that? Yeah, I'm probably a little bit different than what most career coaches uh, will focus on. Uh, But, you know, 60% at least of jobs are found through your network and your resume is not likely to get you your job. And so really looking at whether it's LinkedIn and you're networking online or your you know network that you already have, you're networking offline, whatever that looks like in COVID. Um, either way, I say leverage your network as much as you can. Get yourself, put yourself out there, make phone calls, ask for recommendations, uh, whatever, whatever you can do to leverage the network that you have. Because your resume, while it does need to get through the computer system, if you don't have someone already in the organization, uh, your resume is still not likely to get you the job, even if it gets through the computer system. So, yeah, I think network, network, network. I love it. And I think that is a, I think that's great advice. I completely agree with you. That's been the case for so many of my clients. It, it's all come through their network. It's all come through having conversations. And I also know it's difficult for women especially to use their network to ask for a quote-unquote favor or an introduction. Women have such a hard time with that. And my <laughs> my advice is just ask. You know, All they can say is no. And more often than not, we're putting so much pressure on ourselves. We feel bad about asking, but people love to help. People, people love to help. I've seen um, things on LinkedIn of, you know, hey, if you're out of a job, you know, please let me know. How can I help you? How can I make a recommendation for you or introduce you to someone? Um, I reposted that because I would love to help in any way I can. And I know most people are like us. So, you know, I know people are willing to help. Just don't be afraid to ask for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Heather, it was a pleasure having you on today. Thank you for all of your words of wisdom. Um, I know you're helping so many people out there, um, both in your private practice as well as being on the interview with career transition and helping them get to the, take that leap to the next step. So I appreciate your words of wisdom. And again, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.